Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Satan's philosophy of man as we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Checked out my sermon, Joel? Good man. God's doing a little bragging on him now. One who loves good hates evil. Perfect man, upright. Now, Satan offers his second philosophy concerning man. It is this. Skin for skin, all that a man has will he give for his life. That's a pretty accurate evaluation of man. Life is the most precious possession that we have, and all a man has, he will give for his life. Because if I don't have my life, then what good is it to have anything? So when it comes right down to it, your life is your most valued possession. That was Satan's philosophy. It is an accurate evaluation of man. He's had a long time to study human nature. And... Our psychologists will tell us that self-preservation is the strongest natural instinct that you possess. So they agree with Satan's evaluation. I don't know, maybe they were inspired. (laughs) Now, you see the problem that you're facing. If a man will give all that he has for his life, and all of these men gave their lives because they had agreed together to the lie that Jesus was risen from the dead, if indeed he did not rise, but it was all a big hoax that they were perpetrating, you've got to somehow explain how that all of these men were willing to give their lives for a hoax. You've got to explain how they overcame man's strong, basic instinct of self-preservation. So you can choose to believe that the story of the resurrection is a hoax, or you can choose to believe that it was true. If you believe that it was a hoax, you've got some real problems with logic. If you believe that it is truth, then there is no problem. It all makes sense. And all of these guys bore witness of it. They said, we bear witness of this. So you're believing the mouth of witnesses. And if you're not willing to believe the mouth of witnesses, then we might as well throw out our whole jurisprudence system because our whole jurisprudence system is based upon the establishing of fact by the Testimony of witnesses. And so you get the witnesses that are agreeing together. This is what happened. If we can't believe their witness, then we really should establish a whole new system of jurisprudence. So you choose to believe, you choose not to believe that he rose from the dead. It's a matter of choice, strictly. But by choosing to believe that he did when you can gain so much, why would you be so dumb to choose not to believe in spite of all of the evidence? 
You know, you're taking it, but it just shows man's stubborn heart and foolish heart because he doesn't want to acknowledge God. A man is an agnostic not because God can't be known. God can be known. There are thousands that come to this church every week that will attest to you that God can be known. So a man is an agnostic not because God can't be known, but because the man has chosen not to know God. Because God is very close to every man. Salvation is very near. All you have to do is turn your life over to Jesus as Lord and just believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Paul takes this passage and he, and he shows how that God has dealt with us through this passage in a new way. Because the commandment that Moses speaks about here in the 16th verse is that you love the Lord your God and that you walk with him and that you obey all of his commandments and statutes and judgments. All right, I love God and I want to walk with God, but my flesh is weak and I violated the commandments of God. So the addition that Paul makes by saying, if thou shalt confess by thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, that takes care of my failure. By that I am forgiven of my violation of the commandment. By that I am washed and cleansed from my sin. Thereby I have salvation. I have the life of God. That age-abiding life in Jesus Christ. So, Moses said, I call heaven and earth, verse 19, to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, Choose life because it is a matter of choice. You choose to serve God. You choose to believe God. You choose to follow God or you choose not to. It is a matter of choice and is encouraging you choose life and the blessings of God rather than death and the curse of God upon your life. But it's your choice. You make that choice for yourself. God doesn't make that choice for you. You make that choice for yourself. God knows and has always known the choice you're going to make, but yet you're the one that makes the choice. And the foreknowledge of God does not take away from your responsibility to make the choice. Therefore, choose life. Choose the blessing that you may love the Lord your God and obey his voice and cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of days. So Moses, chapter 31, went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said unto them, I am now 120 years old today. Happy birthday, dear Moses. 120 years old. Ah, oh, what a character. What a beautiful character this man is. 
one who walked with God in such an intimate way. He said, I can no more go out and come in. As the Lord has said unto me, you're to go over this Jordan. I can't go with you. I've gone as far, I've brought you as far as I can. It is interesting to me that Moses, who is representing the law, could only bring them to the promised land. He could not take them in. The law cannot take you into the full blessings of God. Grace must do that. So the law could only bring them to the border of the land. Now it's up to Joshua to take them in. And so, typical of our lives, the law cannot bring you into that glorious, rich life in the Spirit. It can only bring you to it, but by grace and faith we must enter in. Now the Lord is going to go before you. He's going to drive out these nations just like he's driven out Og and Sihon. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goes before you. He'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. And Moses called Joshua, said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that will go before you, and he'll be with you, and he will not fail you, neither forsake you, fear not, neither be dismayed. Isn't that a glorious charge? Here's Joshua. Been depending upon Moses for a long time. He's been his servant. Now Moses said, okay, Joshua, you're going to take over. Oh, that's an awesome thing. Fear would grip your heart. But Moses said, be strong. Be of good courage. For the Lord is the one who is going to go before you. He will be with you. He'll not fail or forsake. So Moses wrote the law. And again, notice this, Moses wrote the law. For all of those theological scholars who want to, you know, argue about who wrote the five books, if they'll only read them, they'll find out that they tell them. Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, when Israel appears before the Lord, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all of Israel in their hearing. So every seven years, in the Feast of Tabernacle, when they came to Jerusalem, they were to get out this law of Moses and read it for all the people. Now, we've been several months going through this thing, reading it. And so that must have been quite a thing. Now, we remember when Ezra returned from captivity and they gathered the people back into the land, that they found the law, they opened it, and they began to read it, and the people stood from morning till evening as the law of God was read. And they covered their heads, and they began to weep as they realized how much they had failed God, and as they realized from the law of God that their failure was the thing that had caused their being delivered into Babylon and all. And, and so they read the law in the time of Ezra and they gave the explanation. They did this for several days. 
the people would stand there from morning till evening as the law was read and explained to them as the people repented before God after the return of Babylonian captivity. Quite a, a fascinating experience. And here there is that command. Every seventh year, the year of release, the law was to be read at the Feast of Tabernacles. Gather the people together, the men, the women, the children, the strangers that are within thy gates, that they may hear, that they may learn, that they may fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of the law. So these four things, they were to hear it, they were to learn it, they were to reverence God, and they were to observe to do the law. Verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, the days approach that you must die. Call Joshua, present yourself in the tabernacle of the congregation, and I may give him a charge. And so Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and a pillar stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise and go up. Arise up, and they will go whoring after the gods and the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now God is telling Moses, flat. Moses, these people are going to go in, and, and they're going to mess up. They're going to start whoring after the gods of the land. They're going to forsake me. They're going to start following these other gods. How discouraging it must be to have foreknowledge. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles will befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us because God is not among us? And I will hide my face in that day from all of the evils which they have wrought in that they have turned to other gods. Now therefore, write this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. In other words, now write this song for them. And the song is something they'll remember. And later on, when the calamities happen, this song, they'll still be singing the song, but as they sing it, then all of a sudden, they'll begin to understand it. The song will be a reminder to them of the reason why the calamities have befallen them is because they have forsaken God. So it, the song of Moses that he was to teach to the children of Israel in order that when the calamities came, it would remind them and be a testimony or a witness against them. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them, verse 21, that this song will testify against them as a witness for it will not be forgotten. So Moses wrote this song the same day, taught it to the children of Israel. And to Joshua he said, Be strong, be of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And so it came to pass when Moses made an end of writing the words, and again it tells us that Moses made an end of the writing of the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the Ark of the Covenant as, uh, as it was to be preserved there. And so Moses spake into the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. So this is the song that Moses taught to the children of Israel. And incidentally, it was the first hit rock song. 
It is a song about the rock. <laughs> because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all of his ways are judgment, a God of truth. And without iniquity, just and right is he. So the song begins with the declaration of God as our rock of his works, his ways, his judgments, his truths, his righteousness. But the people, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and a crooked generation. Do ye thus requit the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he your father which bought you? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, he'll show you. The elders, they'll tell you. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds for the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Then in verse 11, a beautiful figure, as an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. And so the beautiful figure of, of God as an eagle. And as an eagle stirreth up the nest. Now, actually, the, the, the description here is of a mother eagle teaching the little eaglets how to fly. And how does the mother eagle teach the eaglets how to fly? By kicking them out of the nest. <laughs> now the little eaglets are very comfortable in the nest. And the nests were usually high up on the sides of the cliffs. But the mother eagle will kick the little eaglet out of the nest when the time has come to learn to fly. And the little eaglet will start flapping its wings uncoordinated and, all, and, and start falling as it's flapping and just falling on down. And the mother eaglet is fluttering over it. But then it swoops just about the time it gets to the rocks. It swoops underneath of the little eaglet and catches it on its wings and it bears it back up to the nest until the next lesson. Now that may seem like a pretty harsh way to teach an eaglet how to fly, but there's no other way to teach it. And it's got to learn how to fly. Now the picture really is of God in developing us in our walk and relationship with Him. It's very easy for us to get comfortable sometimes in a particular position, in a particular place under particular circumstances. And suddenly God begins to stir up the nest. We thought that we had great job security, but we find that we've been terminated. God, what are you doing? He's teaching you how to fly. And sometimes in your awkwardness, you, you look down and, and you're flapping around and you're screaming, and the little eaglets, they really scream as they're going down. And you see the rocks coming up so fast, and you think, surely I'm going to be dashed. This is the end. It's all over. God, you've forsaken me. 
And then God just sort of swoops underneath, picks you up, and all of a sudden you begin to see the plan of God emerging. I was talking with a man the other day. We went to lunch together. He's a president of a large corporation here in Orange County. Three years ago, he was fired after working for them for 13 years. He was a manager of one of their stores, and he had received threats upon his life and upon his family, and so he asked Thrifties to transfer him from that store, and they refused to do it. And he said, well, either transfer me or fire me. So they fired him after 13 years. And he sort of thought, oh, what's going to happen to me now? Lord, what's going on? And he was flapping and screaming. But he went to work as a salesman for this corporation. And he was blessed. He soon became the sales manager in a few months' time. Turn with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Deuteronomy 30 through 32 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ through the week. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. As you reach out to those around you who are less fortunate to strengthen, to supply, in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Guess what? I just got a new book by Pastor Chuck Smith. What? Pastor Chuck doesn't write books for kids, just big people. Yeah, he does. Hey, I heard about that too. My mom told me about it. It's called The Story of Noah. And not only that, Pastor Chuck even read it to me. 
Pastor Chuck read you the book? Yep, and he can read it to you too. The Story of Noah is the first of four children's books Pastor Chuck has written for kids three years of age and up. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless Bible stories filled with exciting facts and practical application for kids taught by Pastor Chuck. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of Noah so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the story of Noah, also now available as an iBook digital download, you can visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. Again, the number to call 1-800-272-WORD.